It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Minnesota Vikings win. The Gophers win. Floyd of Rosedale is home. We got Anthony Heron joining us in the Hangar with Ron Johnson segment, former Iowa Hawkeye. I also got to talk to a, another Hawkeye last night in Dallas Clark, so I'll tell you all about that coming up on the Ron Johnson Show. But is Kirk Cousins one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL? Troy Aikman thinks so. But can we say that Kirk Cousins is one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? We'll talk about that next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked on Sports Minnesota. I'm your host. Coming up, we got Sam Extra, my producer, joining me. We're also going to have the Hangover Ron Johnson segment, Anthony Heron, Big Ten analyst, NBC analyst, but also former Hawkeye. So you know I had to roll the boat today. I might even bring the oar on the show. He's lucky I didn't get a chance to get the pig. I won't see the pig till later on today. Uh, but I want everybody to know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now new customers can but can bet five dollars and get 200 and bonus bets now remember for those that are the everydayers that have hung out with the ron johnson show for a while now you guys remember i took advantage of that the nuggets end up covering uh what did i get i think i got five and a half points and the nuggets won by six and so you want to make sure you do that because it's worth it then you're playing with house money literally you're playing with FanDuel's money. It's so worth it. Now, every bet after that, it feels like, you know what? If I win, great. If I lose, it wasn't my money anyway. So make sure you guys bet that first $5 to get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash locked on to get started. Well, as I stated, you know, the Gophers won. The Vikings won. And I don't think anybody gave either team Hope now the Gophers had more hope than the Vikings because Iowa's offense is very anemic and we got to see it live and in living color. The 49ers offense is methodical, it's beautiful, it's sexy, but the Vikings defense did something that nobody thought. So as I bring my producer to the show, Sam Ekstrom, we're gonna we're gonna dissect this a little bit. I know I, we talked about his Kirk Cousins, one of the top five or top ten quarterbacks in the NFL. I've seen some tweets debunking the Troy Aikman. And some of the quarterbacks they named, even me, looking at the 11, I saw somebody tweet 11 quarterbacks better than Kirk Cousins. 
And I'm not going to lie, Sam, it, it it does make me question, like, is it are these guys truly better than Kirk Cousins? Or do people just not like Kirk Cousins? But going back into these games, we'll talk about the Iowa game because we got Anthony Heron camp coming up. So we won't we won't stick on that too much. We will we'll talk about that with Anthony Heron. But Sam, this Vikings game, they beat the 49ers now three and four. The next six games, in my opinion, and I know I shouldn't do this, but in my opinion, six out of the next seven games are winnable. There's a seventh game in there the Bengals after that six-game stretch, that you're like, okay, this Bengals team is good. And then you got that Lions-Packer-Lions sandwich of games. But, Sam, when you look at these next six games, the Vikings could be 9-4 and four heading into the game versus the Bengals. Now, why do I say that? Now everybody's like, oh, you got to play the games. You do have to play the game, Sam. But when you look at who the Vikings have. And, and I've been looking at this the last like couple of hours. Uh, last night, I couldn't really sleep. And then I, you know, I passed out. Don't even remember going to sleep. Uh, just, you know, it is after the game, post game adrenaline. That's why I hate night games too. You're wired. I, yeah. I'm wired. But then I had to get up early and take my kids to school. So it, it's just one of those things that like, I'm, I'm running on absolute fumes right now. Cause I'm not, my day's not done. I got the PJ flex show. I got to go record. I got uh, the Vikings Hit the lottery because uh, the Minnesota lottery, I hit the lottery with uh, I, I picked Jordan Addison. For those who want to go to Vikings.com or go to Vikings Twitter and see or go to Ron, three Ron Johnson. Uh, I picked Jordan Addison and he absolutely hit the lottery. I picked Cam uh, Bynum last week. He almost had a pick, but Jordan Hicks take, took it from him probably because he missed the one the week before and he's like look i got this but cam bino made up for that 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 uh was that the chargers game he missed that was that chiefs game was the the jump ball that mahomes threw Uh, yeah oh man the chiefs game so when you think about that cam bino i I picked him uh uh, for the um uh the game they won the panthers game uh Mm -hmm. and then you know i didn't double down i should have doubled down and picked bino again he had a great game but i picked jordan addison he had the lottery as well but sam when you look at these games packers winnable Falcons, winnable. Saints, winnable. Broncos, winnable. Bears, already beat them, but winnable. Bears beat the Raiders, winnable. Then you got the Bengals. Sam, everybody, I get, and I, and I said this to everybody, and you remember this. Everybody was down on them. Uh, what was me? They suck, blah, blah. And I'm like, they've won 10 games in a row before. Like, it's happened before. It's not unheard of. It's not unheard of to win six games in a row. They've done it before. So this team now, now it sucks that Marcus Davenport's not around. That's what we really wanted to see was a little Marcus Davenport, um, you know, with that defense. But they still were able to get up to the quarterback. Now, they didn't really get to Brock Purdy the way we thought they should, but they made Brock Purdy just uncomfortable enough. But, Sam, they could win the next six games. And if they do, does Kirk Cousins get more respect, Sam? And that's the first question for you. If they can win the next six, they rattled off six, which means eight in a row. Eight in a row. Bears, 49ers, which we all said, oh, if they lose to the 49ers, that's five games. They still can win the next six. And and, and then at that point, I think we said they'll be eight and five. And we're like eight and five, and you still got two games versus the Lions and a Packers game. So there there could be a split with the Lions, and then you you beat the Packers, and and that's 10 wins, and you're in the play. Sam, they could be nine and four heading to the Bengals. They could beat the Packers again. That's 10. Maybe they beat the Bengals. That's 11. Maybe they beat the Lions. That's 12. Maybe the Lions beat them once. That's 12 and 5. Sam, 12 and 5. And now that could be the North. 
they could be NFC North champions at 12 and five and the most unopportunistic last year. They were the worst, like 11 win, whatever team or whatever top team. Everybody's like, oh, they're the worst. They're, they're so good, but they're so bad. Now they are actually in the middle of the pack, but they're good. When you look at every single game has been one score, they have not gotten blown out. So I hope this game is the blowout game, but Sam, if they win the next six, what do you put? Can, can Kirk Cousins finally get some respect? <laughs> well, let me look at this big picture. Kirk Cousins does not know how to go out quietly. If this is his final year in Minnesota, he's going to make it very hard for Vikings management to say, yep, we're going to let this guy walk. Because yeah. when he plays like that at age 35, it's hard to say that that guy is a declining asset. I mean, that that guy played his butt off last night, and he moved around in the pocket. He made some throws that we don't often see him make. And Kevin O'Connell, I don't know if you saw the post-game speech in the locker room the Vikings put out. He was, he said Kirk Cousins was hot. Kirk Cousins was dialed in. He was feeling it. And he was. He was picking apart that defense, hitting tight windows, getting the ball downfield. It was a master class. Um, and if you get that Kirk for most of the rest of the season, you're going to win a lot of games, especially yeah. against the, this soft schedule where I, I look at the next six, Ron, like you laid out. I don't see many matchups there where Kirk is the worst quarterback. Like, let's go through it. Love, definitely, uh, you know, worse than Kirk. Ritter, definitely worse than Kirk, or at least less proven. He has played well at times this year. Um, you know, whoever, Bajent or Fields, whoever the Bears are putting out. Uh, Derek Carr, like I don't think there's any matchup where you're you you feel like you have the worst quarterback. So in that sense, Ron, I mean, Kirk Cousins could be riding high in about six weeks here if the Vikings are suddenly the hottest team in football. Yeah, and and so people always try to do this because I you know I'm I'm a I'm a Kirk Cousins uh what supporter I guess I'll call it like I'm a fan of Kirk Cousins. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a good guy. I don't think he's done anything to warrant some of the hate that he continues to get. Um, but when you look at these stats, Sam, passer rating is something that everybody talks about. And Kirk Cousins, 101.7. Who's ahead of him? Tua playing out of his mind, 110. Who's below him? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Kadarius Mahomes. I don't even know what his middle name is. Contavious. Patrick Daniel Jones. Mahomes, probably. Uh, I said Patrick Jones. Patrick Mahomes. But Sam, QBR, and this is where ESPN has created this narrative of like, oh, you're supposed to make this pass. And oh, if you don't make this pass, we're going to take a point from you. Kirk Cousins is at a 60.5 right now, where Patrick Mahomes is at a 76. Matthew Stafford, though, is at a 60. Jared Goff is at a 67. Josh Allen's at a 74. Now, what do these those guys do? And Jalen Hurts, Sam? Jalen Hurts is at a 61.9 mm -hmm. QBR. So, meaning Kirk Cousins is right in the pack with these guys. Uh, Tua is a 69 um, QBR as well. And so, when you look at that, passer rating versus QBR. QBR, a lot of times, is, oh, did he run? Uh, did he get out of the pocket when he needed to? That's not Kirk Cousins' game. But Kirk Cousins last night showed he can step up in the pocket, still make the throws. But the offensive line does not get enough credit as well. They kept Kirk clean, zero sacks. Zero sacks, 45 snaps for some of those defensive uh, linemen, zero sacks. Bosa, zero sacks. I don't even feel like Kirk was truly pressured a lot. Um, but when you go through this list, Brock Purdy, head-to-head, -head, Kirk Cousins beat him. But people are still going to probably say, I'll take Brock Purdy over Kirk Cousins. Um, Trevor Lawrence, 
yeah, you could put him up there. Tua, yep. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. When I go down this list, now some people are saying J- uh, Justin Herbert. I personally don't see it uh, over a Kirk. Like, can I put him on the same plane as Kirk? Yeah, but I got five there. Um, some people say Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's not having a great year. So I'm talking about now, not what your thought of Joe Burrow's, not not the 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 the, the Joe that everybody loves, the cool Joe, the cool Joe Breeze. But he's been hurt too, so he hasn't had the yards. But I'll throw Joe Burrow in there. Six. After that, Sam, I'm having a hard time putting Jared Goff. Now Jared Goff was really good early on. Jared Goff didn't look good against the Ravens. I'm having a hard time putting Jared Goff ahead of Kirk Cousins. A lot of people are. Sam Howell, people are putting him ahead of Kirk Cousins. I can't do it. I just can't. Lamar Jackson, I get the legs. Like, yeah, he can throw the ball as well, so he does give you that advantage of like a true dual-threat quarterback. So let's go with Lamar, seven. After that, Sam, like you can't tell me Dak Prescott should be in front of Kirk Cousins. Um, The Justin Fields drama at the beginning of the year, remember that, Sam? People were saying they'll take Justin Fields over. Absolute malarkey. And BS. <laughs> um, other than that, like there's nothing else on there. So Kirk Cousins to me, when 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 Troy Aikman said he's a top 10 quarterback, like I'm not taking Russell Wilson right now over Kirk Cousins. Like, who why? Because of his past? Troy Aikman was right. Now, is he top five? Uh, probably not. Not right now. But is he top 10? Yeah. Troy Aikman was dead on. People don't like it. People said, Oh, Joe Buck looked at him like, are you crazy? No, he didn't. Joe Buck just was looking like, oh, okay, Kirk Cousins top 10. Explain. Now, of course, you don't have time because the game's going on. But I truly understand. I truly understand his thought process in this. And that's that's why I, I am a complete fan of Troy Aikman saying that because it hasn't been said enough. People don't talk about or praise Kirk Cousins. Whenever it's a game of Kirk Cousins on national TV, it becomes about the other quarterback or the other team or, or Kevin O'Connell. It's never truly just like, man, Kirk Cousins is good. Um, but Sam, I don't know where do you fall on this top 10 quarterback conversation that Troy Aikman threw out there to the world? Yeah. Um, well we, you know, of course we debated this all off season and, and most publications have him 12th, 13th or 14th. Um, but here's the thing, Ron, it's a kind of a quiet time for quarterbacks. Like there's a soft spot in, in quarterback play right now because all the legacy quarterbacks have retired, right? True. Rivers, Roethlisberger, uh, Brady, Breeze, Rogers is hurt. You know, the all the guys that you would have stamped clearly above Kirk Cousins just because they've won Super Bowls and stuff, they're gone. So now you've got all these young quarterbacks who are super talented but a little more unproven, and they have these big ups and downs, right? Like Tua right now is untouchable, but he's only done it for like half a season. Right. Um, behind Mahomes, there's so much inconsistency with quarterbacks. Josh Allen had a kind of a down year last year and he's been up and down this year even though Josh Allen at his best is so good, but he has the these roller coaster moments and then here's Kirk just kind of like at this this medium altitude has these little ups, little downs, but he's always so he's so steady, Ron. And there aren't a lot of steady quarterbacks in the league right now and that makes Kirk pretty desirable to have. Yeah, and and for Kirk Cousins again, Troy Aikman said it. I've said it before. I mean, me and you. I mean, everybody remembers the whole. I just looked at that tweet again, Sam, just because you know. I'm like, let me go back to 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 me and Shannon Sharp's uh, yeah. conversation. We'll call it a conversation. That's my boy. Uh, you know, former Ravens tight end. Uh, you know, all things Broncos tight ends. One of the best tight ends to ever play the game. 
Eight million, Sam. It's up to eight million now. Um, I, I almost retweeted it last night, but then I didn't because then I saw like some of the comments now, like about the other eleven quarterbacks that still could be taken ahead of Kirk. And I'm like, I don't need to open old wounds. I'm not doing it to Shannon Sharp like that. Um, I get Shannon Sharp's take, but my my take on Shannon Sharp, and that's why when we had uh, Jenny Taft uh, came on the pregame show, and she was not Jenny Taft. Um, wait, is it Jenny Taft? No, who's the one from Minnesota, Sam? From Edina. Uh, I think he, I thought it was Jenny Taft, or was it Jamie it Hirsch? No, it is it Jenny Taft. Taft. It is Jenny yeah. Taft. Because I, <laughs> I didn't post the pictures yet. She was on the pregame show with us or whatever, and I didn't post the pictures. But yeah, Jenny Taft and I talked about that, and she kind of even said it. She's like, well, you know, people were, are, are ta- you know, Kyler Murray was the runner, and they thought that was going to be a guy better than Kirk. And I'm like, right, but you can backtrack now. You can say, okay, I, I, I he wasn't what we thought he was. Like, he wasn't the quarterback in our injury. Yeah, he got hurt, so who knows when he comes back. But Kirk Cousins definitely deserves to be in this top 10 conversation. And, and it's been long gone. But, but, can Kirk do this week in and week out? He's got six games now. Six games to try to get six wins. Can he do it to go nine and four? And that's what people want to see. Can Kirk Cousins be consistent? Because that's what he has not been. He's had up days and then down games where you're like, who the hell is this guy? And so that's what I think everybody's getting at. But Troy Aikman. Very warranted. We got Anthony Heron coming up in the Hanging Around Johnson segment. Uh, Iowa Hawkeye grad, uh, you know, covers the Chicago Bears. We'll talk to him a little bit about his Bears. They beat the uh, the Raiders. I don't even know if that could considered like they were celebrating. We'll talk about that. Um, Spice Adams, I know, put out some stuff. Uh, but we have a word from our sponsors, and we'll be we'll have Anthony Heron coming up next. Thanks, Ron. Let me tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Ron told you about it in the open. There is a wonderful promotion going on right now at FanDuel where you bet $5. And whether you win or lose, FanDuel gives you 40 times your money. $200, boop, right into your account in bonus bets, guaranteed. And then you can put that on whatever your heart desires. The spreads, the player props, the over-unders, the futures. You've got NBA starting up. You've got the World Series on the horizon. And you've got college football every Saturday. And you could have $200 to play with. FanDuel Sportsbook app is very easy to use. Or head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. And bet the NFL. Bet college football. Bet the World Series. Many ways to wager. Many ways to have fun at FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook and an official partner of the NFL. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Well, I hope everybody can hear me through the helmet. This is what quarterbacks feel like trying to get the plays off. But I'm Ron Johnson, and it's the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment. I got Anthony Heron. Uh, Anthony Heron played at the University of Iowa. He was a part of one of the most controversial Gophers Iowa plays, but there's been some controversy he's now attached to as well as a commentator. So as I bring Anthony Heron to the show, uh, he covered the Gophers game. Only reason I put the helmet on, Chad Greenway tried to do this to me. Uh, as you guys know, last week, but his helmet was the Vikings helmet. So I'm, I'm not going to do the whole show like this. I just I just had to remind them, you know, hey, like, you know, you 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 see the M. You you see it. 
Uh, that's quite a look. So next time I'm on the show, then I, I got to find uh, find my Hawkeye helmet, get that off the mantle somewhere, make sure I throw that on. I feel like my head somehow has expanded. My head's always been enormous. I feel like somehow it's gotten even bigger in the years since I was actually banging it around and other folks in the Big Ten, man. But yeah, I, I got to say it suits you. It's a good look. I was going to say, man, I think it's tight. I don't know how I did that every day. Like five days a week, six days a week. That thing is tight. Like, but I, but you know what though? I thought about it. And last night, even at the Vikings game, when you watch guys hit now, and and you you're at all the games too. Uh, does it look like it hurts? Like, cause for me, I watched the guys yesterday were even warming up, and I'm like, I can't imagine just trying to run it. But then I feel my helmet. I'm like, I see why it was so tight. Like, cause uh-huh. you want it to be tight so that when you hit somebody, you don't feel it. Like you make them feel it. And so I'm just like, man, that thing. I got to take some air out of it or something. Right. Uh, but I, I don't think I put that thing on since uh, legit since like the senior bowl of 2002. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's been a minute, no doubt. And the what we used to put our bodies through, like it's like you referenced it, watching a game in person now just feels a, a little different. Like, all right, so the way my shoulder feels at this moment, my left shoulder, I'm thinking about it. Right, so I was still finding a way to fight off blocks or rush a quarterback or club guys away from me with the way my shoulder felt back then. And now years later, my shoulder is still jacked up. How was I getting away with that back then? Or thinking about the weight room or the running until failure and all this kind of stuff, man. It was a uh, we, we we did our bodies wrong, but yeah. it was I yeah. guess in the end it was worth it. But man, we put ourselves through some stuff back in the day. Well, I talked to Chad Greenway. I talked to Dallas Clark last night. He was at the Vikings game, and he and I got a chance to chat for a minute. Um, I've sat down with T.J. Hawkinson and interviewed mm-hmm. him as well. Um, and, and so when you just go through the 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 whole gamut of like Iowa versus Minnesota games everybody has a story but you and I share one and I've said this and people don't really understand how crazy it actually was where they thought they caught it not a touchdown they said I was out of bounds and then our our video people just kept running the play over and over is, and over this is again before before replay, replay review was exactly. allowed <laughs> this is this is back in the days of the metrodome we're going back into the stone age when me and ron was doing our thing out there man you didn't have u.s bank stadium and everything else happening at the metrodome and there was no replay review but then somehow in the midst of pumping in all kinds of fake crowd noise between pumping in fake crowd noise here they are reviewing a touchdown that was not a touchdown and somehow the gophers came out with a win man i still can't explain it they didn't review it they just happened to look up at the screen which espn called them looking and they said oh wait his toe tapped so then they had more conversation and then all you see is glenn mason kind of run down pointing to the like screen just say hey if you guys are confused look up look up look up and Lo and if behold, you guys are confused. If you guys are confused, they gave us the touchdown. I did get the toe down. It now technically they weren't supposed to be able to see that, but shout out to our uh, our video guys back then for being smart enough to review that play ten times while the referees were trying to have a conversation about it. Uh, and then we went on to beat Iowa, um, so on and so forth. Went to a bowl game, blah blah. But you were the commentator for this game. One thing that everybody was super confused on, and I had to actually look at the rule. I didn't realize the big or college football had changed this rule because when we played, and I think this is why so many people, Pat McAfee and all these other guys that are around our time, are wrong, is because when we played, Peter, Peter, Peter was not anything besides Peter, Peter, Peter. Like you could do that. You could say Peter, 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 poison, poison, poison. You could still pick up the ball. You could still run because you had not signaled fair catch. Even when you're yelling Peter, 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 the defense, still goes to the ball so it's not like they're being tricked 
Mm-hmm. College football said, well, it's kind of tricky. Like, guys, are everybody's running away because nobody wants to touch the ball and blah, blah. And so we're going to make it a dead ball. Once he makes that Peter Paul poison call, it's dead. You cannot advance it. The Eastern Michigan game, Gophers had that. I didn't even catch that that game. I had no idea that's what they call that game. I assumed – I don't know what I assumed. I just remember it happened. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. They stopped the punt. <laughs> that happens this game. Now, one, the kid is yelling Peter. You can see him pointing, probably saying get away, get away, or Peter, Peter, or poison, poison, whatever, and he's waving that back arm to say get away. But what he doesn't realize is he's running sideways and only one arm is moving. One, he's making the Peter poison call. So the referee throws the beanbag saying where, whenever he touches it, that's the dead spot. He kept running. The referees all said, well, let's let, let's let, let's let this play out because too many times we blow the whistle. And maybe if I talk to his other ref, did you hear him say Peter poison or whatever? Did you, what, what did you get the invalid signal? They go talk, blah, blah. All of Iowa is pissed off. They're throwing stuff on the field, so on and so forth. Everybody's hating it. In that moment, I know you're an Iowa grad, but in that moment, did you agree with the call or were you just as like, wait, what? So here are the, the levels I went through <laughs> with it, Ron. Live in the moment, the ball gets punted, and as he's running over and you know, looking at him live in action, and the way you described it is right on point where he's initially punting, he's initially pointing with both hands as he's starting to approach the ball. The only hand he begins waving with is the left one. Yeah. And even with that, now, you know, for me, live in the moment, I didn't even see in live action the the, the wave of the left arm. Yep. I, I see him pointing, the ball bounces, he's fielding it. And then, you know, there's 22 bodies on the field. So I'm looking around, seeing like, is he going to have an angle here at some point? You know, just trying to evaluate what may develop in the play. So he feels it off the bounce, he spins away, bursts up the sideline away from like a half dozen gophers coverage people and pj fleck right there a couple of inches standing away from him and then he when he gets into open space and i'm just as the analyst i'm laying out just letting letting paul burmeister play play by play do his thing making the call goes into the end zone for the touchdown kinnick stadium erupts and me and paul are just looking at each other like wow you know did we really just witness this like just mm-hmm. kind of another magical moment here at kinnick that the folks have seen at times before as the review begins you know, as you know, we got communication in our ears with mm-hmm. the production truck and producers and directors and everything else. So we're we're initially being informed that we think they're reviewing whether or not he stepped out of bounds, which in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, this is a critical moment in the game. That 100% makes sense because he was near the sideline. Mm-hmm. So we go to some replay reviews there. The initial angles that we start to show actually didn't initially go because we weren't necessarily in the know yet that they were going beyond the sideline aspect uh, of what was being reviewed. So initially, the first couple of looks we got were really after he had already been in position to field the ball. So the first couple of angles weren't him pointing and any waving or anything. So he feels the ball. We're watching the return advance. So my commentary initially is just about, okay, is he out of bounds here? Oh, he's staying in bounds at that step. He spins. He's back in bounds here. Okay, this is likely a touchdown that's going to stand, however I phrase it in that moment, because he definitively stayed in bounds. Then moments later, we get the the call from the official on the field where he announces to the stadium that there was an invalid fair catch signal. Touchdown's not going to stand. He may have even, if I'm remembering correctly, because I haven't watched the whole thing back, Mm -hmm. uh, but he might have even pointed out that it's not a penalty, but they'll get the ball at the spot that that it was fielded. So then Kinnick Stadium is kind of up for grabs for a moment. Like you referenced, folks are throwing stuff on the field. 
So a couple of things are happening there in a very chaotic broadcast moment where you got a million things that are happening and people talking and all right, where, where are we going to? Because you got the stuff on the field that's happening that, that we need to react to. But also, let's try to display to the viewers at home what happened and why this you know seemingly climactic moment, these points are now coming off the board. So then at that angle, we do show he's pointing and you can get a better look at, yeah, that left arm is waving while he's approaching the football. And we bring in our rules expert, Reggie Smith. He describes as well that the get away from it call is, is why this touchdown isn't going to count. And then as, as not, I now have that ability to see in the replay, yeah, that left arm is waving. And then I describe, right, in these moments, yeah, you use terms like poison, Peter, just to get your, your teammates who are in your punt return squad to get away from the football and he is waving that arm. So, yeah, I, I agree, agree with Reggie that they got the call right here. It's important for Iowa fans to recognize also. So after that moment, and again, even in the midst of the broadcast, now you got folks throwing stuff on the field at Kinnick. Mm-hmm. So there's immediately other things to react to for us as well because we can't ignore. Both ends of the stadium have things being thrown onto the field. Announcement have to get made. P.J. Fleck pulls players from the sideline towards midfield because he's got to make sure he's – in charge of his player safety and all those things. So we're reacting to some of that. So it's almost like we had to kind of quickly move on from that kind of critical reversal of the call on the field. Then we get back to the action where I was offense was at I think like the 46 yard line with a timeout remaining and still over a minute and a half to go. They could, they had time to score a touchdown, but if nothing else, get like 20 to 25 yards with a strong leg kicker and you can still ice the game in that moment. So it, it was unfortunate from a Hawkeye perspective. In the end, they did get the call right, and that, that's the most important part of it to me. Yeah, and when you look at, you know, P.J. Fleck, um, he actually was in tears. And for people that don't understand why, um, he's a human being. And so he's heard for years, seven years or six years, um, that he's not good enough. That, you know, oh, they should fire him. He can't get over the hump. He's never beat Iowa. How come you can't beat Iowa? You can beat Wisconsin, but you can't beat Iowa. Iowa's offense is not that good. How come your offense can't? And he finally does it, and he literally. And outplayed him the last couple of years. Right? Like Correct. Minnesota really outplayed Iowa the last two years before this one, but couldn't find those key moments to seal the game at the end. Yeah, like the Tyler Johnson one. Like, I think that I was in Vegas. So that would have been like 2020, 2021, uh, probably 2020, or Rashad Bateman, I think. But it was like, guy was trying to come across, or 2021. Uh, they could have made the catch, didn't make it. Boom. Iowa wins that game. I mean, there's been a lot of moments that everybody felt like the Gophers have a chance. They're driving down. They have a chance to win. So for him to close it out the way they did with the interception, uh, for his defense to really put their stamp on it, to only give up two yards in the second half. Um, But when you look at P.J. Fleck just in that instance, as a man crying, blah, blah, you know, like felt like he overcame. He Like there's a picture of him still out in the stadium, like after everybody had left. And he's still out there just taking in the moment of like, man, we finally did it. Uh, monkey's finally off my back. Now I can just go ahead and coach and, and do what I got to do. And if they can run the table, people are always going to look back at the Northwestern game. What 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 is it about it? The blah blah blah. But you as a as an as a former you know player as an Iowa guy, uh, what is it about PJ Fleck though that you think uh, kind of makes him special? But then always people are always going to question him. Well, I think the the results on the field. We're getting to a point where the expectations for on-field success just feels like they they're ramping up exponentially for so many programs around the country now and you know i I would imagine like one of pj flex mentors greg Ciano, who i'm sure Mm -hmm. you've heard him mention a bunch of times over the years he's been coaching the gophers 
Greg Ciano is likely a year or two from now going to go through something similar from Rutgers fans mm -hmm. where you think about where the program was when Ciano took that program over and now what he's built it into in the Big Ten and they're bowl eligible and he's gotten emotional like two weeks in a row now but I had Rutgers versus Wagner uh, a couple of weeks ago and then the following game the following week where Rutgers nearly ended up getting upset they were down by three scores to Michigan State late in the fourth quarter of that game. And Shanna was in tears after defeating a struggling Michigan State squad, but that gave them the fifth win, and he knew they had Indiana waiting the following week and had a chance to solidify bowl eligibility. He was very emotional after that. P.J. very emotional after finally being able to defeat Kirk Ferentz and the Hawkeyes. And I think the difficulty of the task that current players, current coaches have for the scrutiny that's there – and yes, the, the riches that coaches gain and now players are able to compensate in a way that you and I were never allowed to. Uh, at least I know I didn't. You know, I can't speak for what you <laughs> did or didn't do under the table during your great golfers career. But, you know, I think that the additional scrutiny, the attention, the, the tension period that comes with that, we, we see that coming out even in guys we don't anticipate it from. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, you know, for a quarter century, he's been the head coach at Iowa. He's always been a sneaky, emotional guy. I, mm -hmm. I think he even started to get a little choked up, as far as I could tell, on a camera angle when Cooper DeGene ran that putt back. Like, Kirk mm -hmm. is going to choke back some tears on a pretty regular basis. Haven't seen that a lot from Greg Schiano. Certainly hadn't seen this emotional version of P.J. Fleck after a, even a big win before. It's one thing to go crowd surf in the locker room. Yes, that's right. an exuberant moment. But you could see he was he was overwhelmed by finally getting over this Hawkeye hurdle. And I think that he, he's been an exceptional coach. There's a level of consistency that the Gophers have achieved under his leadership. But then yet and still with a, a young and developing quarterback and with playmakers who've been out and expecting Lindenberg and, and Crab and guys like that to play when they really haven't been able to either be on the field at all or to be themselves. And the, the, the harsh glare of expectation is on P.J. Fleck and Gopher football in a way that it never has been before because the expectations of folks who are watching this, fan bases who are who are hoping for success, are probably higher than they've ever been like across the college football landscape before. And I think we're just seeing more coaches who are feeling that, sometimes feeling it in a very positive way, in emotional moments after a big win. You know, sometimes you can see them wearing the emotion of disappointment afterwards because they know that it feels like the world is disappointed in them in those moments. Yeah, and, and two quick ones before we get out of here. Um, when you look at Brian Ferentz, and 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 I talked to Chad Greenway about it, and he said it on, you know, this is boy, they played together, blah, blah, so he's going to wish him the best, but he does understand the offense has to get better. He has performance bonuses in there for scoring points. Um, I talked to Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark sees it the way I see it, whereas Brian Ferentz is probably a really good run game coordinator. He's probably a really good offensive line coach. Uh, he's a really good leader of men. Uh, but the, the the spreading of an offense out, getting guys out in the space, coming up with cool, unique ways to get receivers open is not his forte. And whether he hasn't released those reins or they need to bring in a pass game coordinator, um, what what is it or how long do you think Kirk Ferentz is going to get Brian Ferentz where he has to come up with something else other than like, hey, you, I'm not, I'm not going to pay you as much if you don't score touchdowns? Because it almost feels like a, a daddy punishing his son versus a, <laughs> a, a, a boss, you know, handling an employee. Right. And, you know, I think the, the point you're making there at the end is what adds another level of, of indecision for for how this may end up going, you know, and kind of educated guesses that we would all make about it because because it is Kirk Ferentz's son. Yeah. And I think as much as anything, what ends up factoring into it, because even prior to Brian Ferentz as offensive coordinator, Kirk Ferentz has always valued 
complimentary football Mm -hmm. and securing the win above all else, not winning by big margin, not big passing yards, not how many touchdowns do we have on the board. If the safe thing to make sure we secure a two score lead late is to kick a field goal, then he is 100 percent of time going to kick that field goal just to to take the the safer, the perhaps more cautious approach Mm -hmm. with that. And I think for Iowa's offense, I because, you know, the last couple of years here are really where they've been at the bottom of college football. In the initial years that Brian Ferentz was the OC, they were never amongst the top offenses in football, but they had a representative, a reasonable level of success in scoring on offense. It's, it's really taken a dive over the last few years here. And I, I see, and I've said this on the Big Ten Network before, and on Big Ten Radio, where you've joined us plenty of times, mm-hmm. I, my question is more about not necessarily Brian Ferentz, the play caller, uh, Brian Ferentz, the QB coach, where he's become the quarterback coach the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. If we're just looking at just kind of evaluating what's different as the offense hasn't been as successful the last couple of years, Brian Ferentz as QB coach is a part of that reason why. And that for all coaches, your resume is what's on tape. Mm-hmm. And I do think there are times I, I feel like we see Brian Ferentz. He's able to scheme receivers open, mm-hmm. but whether it was Spencer Petras beginning to really decline as, as opposed to develop and ascend, towards his last couple of years as Iowa quarterback or Alex Padilla as a backup, not necessarily seemingly developing in his, his overall execution of the position. And now where Cade McNamara, I think, you know, it was still early in the season. McNamara missed time off season with an injury. And now in season, he's out for the rest of the year. Deacon Hill is still very young as a QB, but you have the quarterback position specifically that I would say the, the lack of accuracy, the hesitation at times to just kind of let it rip, to cut it loose. I think Brian Ferentz as QB coach, is where I feel like more scrutiny is is worthwhile even than play caller because I do think there are times you see him scheming guys open, but it's just not connecting QB to pass catcher on a consistent basis for now a fairly extended period of time. Yeah. Well, last one before we get out of here, your Bears finally get a mm. win. They beat the Raiders. They're still at the bottom of the NFC North. Um, do you think Justin Fields is the answer for this team? Do you think there is actually a QB controversy or do you think, Hey, let's tank and let's go get Caleb Williams. (laughs) I think three out of the last four games, Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze has has instrumented or instituted a game plan that's had a lot of misdirection in the run game, a lot of movement of the launch point and not been so pocket based in his passing attack after watching their offense operate against Denver and against Washington. That was the Bears offense with Justin Fields at QB, and he was throwing for over 300 yards a game, four touchdown passes in back-to-back games. For whatever reason, the game they played against the Vikings, which, of course, you and I'm sure a lot of folks listening and watching this, saw a very pocket-based Bears passing attack for some reason. I, I didn't understand that at all. Now, with the backup in the game uh, with, with uh, Tyson Bajan in at quarterback, you did go to some more quick game, misdirection, and absolutely dominant rushing attack and I was impressed with Tyson Bajan as a backup QB you know there was he averaged two air yards per per pass here so that's not sustainable I don't believe for the Bears offense but I do think what was seen from the way that Luke Getzey called the offensive game I hope that continues because it takes pressure off the quarterback to get the pocket moving takes pressure off the offensive line to let them run block and and to also have the launch point move so that pass rush isn't really teeing off on a stationary target but I, I anticipate Justin Fields, when healthy, being the Bears starting quarterback again, and then just being able to prove that he continues, that that he should continue in that role. But I don't think he's done enough up to this point 
to solidify that he's the future of QB for the Bears, I do still have high hopes for him because we saw back-to-back games where in an offense that I believe should be the version of Bears offense every week, he was lighting it up. And I think that has the potential to continue, but your quarterback and you dislocate your, your throwing thumb and have to pop it back in yourself. I'll be surprised if he's back in the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, well, that'll do it for us on the Ron Johnson show with uh, Anthony Heron, the Hanging Ron Johnson segment. Coming up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions, probably about a minute each today. And we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Well, Locked On Sports is a proud partner with Sirius XM. Just download the Sirius XM app on any app market and search SSXM, and then you'll find the app once you download it. Remember, Wild fans, the Wild host the Edmonton Oilers tonight at 6 p.m. Catch every second of the hometown action broadcast on the SXM app. Just search Wild. Well, now it's time for the Daily Three. That's three questions. Take about a minute each today. Take it away, Sam. Well, the Wild tonight, but the Wolves tomorrow, Ron, will have the Minnesota basketball party, of course. It is the season opener. Mm-hmm. The Wolves play the Raptors, the Heat, and the Hawks in their first three games of the season uh, from now until our next show. So, Ron, when we get together next Tuesday, what will their record be? 3-0. and I feel like the Raptors, the Heat, no, so I'll say 2-1. and I, I feel like the Raptors, um, they should be able to beat the Raptors and the Hawks. I'd say the Heat, I mean, they still have all their guys are coming back healthy. Tyler Hero, you, you still got uh, Jimmy Butler, and I know Jimmy Butler hates the Timberwolves for some reason, so I know that's a game he really wants to put his stamp on, but I'm looking forward to seeing Jimmy Butler versus Ann Edwards because that's – I know Ann Edwards, same thing. He He's not going to stand for anybody trying to trash talk his team. He's not going to stand for anybody trying to be a bully. So I'm looking forward to that Anthony Edwards-Jimmy uh, Butler matchup. That's going to be the one to watch for me. Uh, but I think they should be 2-1 on when we link back up. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think the Heat are the toughest game there. And that's the home opener. So that's the, the game where you have the most energy, the most emotion, where I think the crowd could really – give you something i think that's saturday night and that'll be a ton of fun make sure to also check out the lockdown wolves postcast with luke inman and jack borman uh ron number two jordan love has struggled mightily the last three weeks and the packers Mm -hmm. have lost three in a row the vikings could send them spiraling if they win in lambo this sunday but should green bay have doubts that jordan love is their long-term answer i mean you gotta have doubts um he, he has the arm talent um, he has the physical tools. He looks like an NFL quarterback. Even some of his throws, we talked about this, looks like Aaron Rodgers in the pocket at times when he does the play action, rolls out right, and he kind of just slings it. And then people are like, oh, but who did he? Because I tweeted that. And they're like, oh, but remember who he got that from? He got that from Brett Favre. So it's like it's it's trickled down generations of QB play. And then you see Jordan Love the last three weeks. And, 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 and the one I'm really looking at is the Denver Broncos game. There were a couple of times receivers were open and he left the ball short. So whether one, He's aiming it too much, and he's not just throwing in rhythm. Uh, deep balls. So I look at Ethan Kallig, man, and throw deep balls, and he overthrows guys a ton. And you see Kirk Cousins throw absolute dots. I mean, he's throwing arrows. Some people just have it. Some guys just have that touch, that natural ability to put it where it needs to be, 40 yards down the field, 30 yards down the field, and it's a timing throw, and they've worked it so much, it's now second nature, and they're not just throwing it as hard and far as they can. I think Jordan Love knows he has a strong arm, and he's overthinking, not wanting to overthrow receivers, and he's coming up short. So I hope he continues to struggle at least one more week, Um, (laughs) and then you know who knows what what this can be. But you have to have a little bit of doubt when you look at 
uh, Matt LaFleur, but and I saw like a couple people now, you know, everybody's going to throw out stats. They're saying like Aaron Rodgers at one point was like 24th in the NFL or something for something. And now Jordan loves uh, like 19th. So don't act like it's all, you know, Aaron Rodgers was the best at all times. And you say whatever you want. Aaron Rodgers, we know is better than Jordan Love. So people are going to make a ton of excuses for him. But I don't know. I just think maybe it's mental. Maybe he's overthinking every throw. Yeah, I I, I feel like the Vikings could send the Packers into total depression this week. If they win this game, their fans are going to be so upset. I'm here for it, though. Uh, Last one, Ron. (laughs) Everyone's talking about the tush push. Yeah. Only the Eagles seem to be able to do this with any kind of success or regularity. Uh, But people are talking about banning the tush push. Is, Is it too much of an advantage? What do you think about the tush push? It's not an advantage. Like, there's only one team that's actually doing it and dominating it. We saw the Vikings try it twice. One, they absolutely got stunned. Second one, they jumped off sides. It's not easy to do. Your center has to be a rugby-style player and be willing to put his body on the line and go low and submarine the defensive line. Your quarterback has to know, I'm running into a defensive lineman, but he doesn't have legs. His legs are getting taken out by my center. So my body weight, my power, plus my center taking his legs out because he submarined them, I need to just push forward with my legs and kind of like not panic. Like Justin, uh, or sorry, Jalen Hurts leans on the pile and just pushes. And then the guys come up behind him and just push him. Uh, you didn't see Kirk Cousins getting pushed last night. It was like a delayed push where CJ Ham kind of didn't time it up, time it up right. Uh, you, you had green and also the snap count. Like Kirk's got to know, come to the line with time and have the, the offensive line know to sit in there. Like just sit in there. We want the defense not to know when we're going to go. That's, I think, how the Eagles get it. Sometimes they go on quick. Sometimes they go on two where the Vikings came up and just snapped it on one and he was able to time it up. You got to be willing to go hut. And get him, like, I I guarantee Greenlaw or whoever that was, I think that was Warner or Greenlaw would have jumped over the pile and just, you know, offsides. Uh, That's where you got to get it to where it's so frustrating that the other team wants to cheat to beat you. Um, But I I don't think you need to download. I also don't think the Vikings need to run that play. They need to just put C.J. Ham in fullback, motion T.J. Hawkinson or or what, Josh Oliver over and be a secondary fullback. You have Josh Oliver motion. He's going to lead it. You have C.J. Ham lead it. And then you have whatever running back, just follow those two and just go through the end zone. If you can't get one yard, you need to, you know, you cannot be in the NFL. And that's, that's where I was frustrated. You're not a tush push team. Just do what you do best. You have, a, you, you resigned your fullback, use them on the one yard line. So. Yeah. KOC calling plays in the low red zone was so good last year. And he mm-hmm. did it. A lot of it were, were just simple passing plays Yeah, where he would scheme something open. Kirk would make the quick throw don't need to do something that Kirk isn't comfortable with. There's just yeah. no, there's no point in it. Uh, I, but I think you're right too. You don't need to ban the play. Just figure out how to stop it. If you're bothered by it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think the biggest thing is going to be what number of guys can be on the line of scrimmage, so on and so forth. I know they're looking into that. Where can the defense line up? Because you know, they're, they're in the neutral zone or they're off sides. And so there's a lot to it. But that'll do it for us today. We'll be back next week, and we'll see if the Timberwolves are 3-0, and 2-1, or do they absolutely just disappoint us early on and go 0-3? We'll see what happens with that. Also, the Gophers are playing Michigan State. The Vikings are playing the Packers. So it's attack green week. Got to attack that green and white on both sides of the ball. Maybe the Gophers and the Vikings can shake hands and do it again. Back-to-back weekends of double wins. We'll take it. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Action. We had Anthony Heron on today in the Hanging Ron Johnson segment. Make sure you guys download the Locked On Sports apps on all platforms. Amazon Fire, Roku. Also, 
24-7 on YouTube. You just need an email address. Make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe, hit that follow button, and you'll get all of our content. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Exman. This has been the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I want to thank you. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.